Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Have you ever noticed how pelicans seem to just surf right above the waves? A new UC San Diego model explains why. Then, reporter Lauren J. Mapp graduated from SDSU without any debt, but there was a cost to her health. She shares her story. First, the news. Escondido police on Thursday released a video of an officer fatally shooting a 59-year-old homeless man who had been carrying a two-foot crowbar while closing in on the armed officer. The nearly nine-minute video shows the moment the officer pulled the trigger, which came after he'd backpedaled about 65 feet and repeatedly warned Stephen John Olson to drop the object. Police said the officer fired when Olson was about seven feet away, shooting him six times. Police offered first aid until paramedics arrived and took him to the hospital where he died. After watching the video, Michael Olson said his brother's killing was an unnecessary and excessive use of force. He said, quote, you can see the cop went way out of line. San Diegans can now get a coronavirus vaccine at sites run by Sharp Healthcare without making an appointment. That's according to an announcement made by the healthcare company on Friday. The move comes at a time when the region's supply of doses is peaking, but demand is dropping now that many of those who are most eager to get immunized have already done so. On Tuesday, local officials announced that San Diegans could walk up to a number of county-run vaccine sites without an appointment. That's now true of all five sites run by Sharp. That includes the superstations in Chula Vista, La Mesa, and San Marcos, as well as smaller locations in the cities of Coronado and San Diego. Tourism is rebounding in San Diego County. The San Diego Tourism Authority is expecting 10 million more visitors to the county this year than in 2020. While a full rebound is... While a full rebound is still years off, the prospects for 2021 are much brighter than previously expected. In all, 25 million people are forecast to spend $7.6 billion on hotels, restaurants, shopping, and attractions this year. It's a vast improvement over 2020 when visitor spending was a mere $5.2 billion. Take a walk along a beach in San Diego County and you're likely to see a lot of birds. That includes pelicans dropping in from above and gliding just above the ocean's surface. Until now, it wasn't really well understood why they did this, but UC San Diego has developed a model to explain it. Gary Robbins covers science at the UT. Gary, how do pelicans glide for so long without flapping their wings? You know, I didn't know anything about this until a couple days ago. It's fascinating. When a wave is coming near shore and it starts to build up, you know, where it starts to get steeper, uh, steeper, it um, produces updrafts of air. And the updrafts of the air occur right in front of the waves. And the pelicans just kind of swoop down and glide on top of those updrafts. It's like riding a cushion of air. And sometimes they'll do it for hundreds of yards. The, um, it was known that this uh, phenomenon occurs, but it wasn't known with great specificity. So what UC San Diego's Scripps Institution of Oceanography did was just really get into it and to try to figure out a way if they could create a mathematical model to describe it. What they were really trying to figure out was um, how much energy can um, pelicans save by doing this? Um, And what they found out in some cases, they could save a great deal. In fact, in some cases, they didn't have to flap their wings at all. In other cases, it was very um, uh, kind of minor but they were able to quantify it. And so they got a sense, a specific sense of how to model this um, of, the, of this phenomenon. 
um, which helps them to both understand the birds and perhaps how other birds, um, you know, exist and negotiate um, uh, the winds and the sea. Uh, which actually has larger lessons for climate change because so much of climate change involves the interaction of the sea and the uh, air above it. Um, I just thought it was fascinating. Yeah, Ian Stokes, the doctoral student uh, who developed this model, um, you know, said that it might be used, or how might it be used by researchers going forward? So it's really important that we understand the fundamental nature of physics and how it affects climate change. So for example, we know that the ocean and the atmosphere interact. And that interaction does things like um, produces clouds in some areas, but not in others. And it produces you know, different size clouds and that leads to different types of precipitation. And that precipitation you know, can be helpful in one area, but not in another, particularly if another area is not getting uh, rain. So this interchange between the ocean and the atmosphere really has a profound effect on climate change. And the university studies that on a fundamental level, but they do it in various ways. Sometimes they have this big wave machine at UC San Diego where they just create waves and analyze what's going on in the wave tank. You know, they're, they're just looking at the water itself. In other cases, they're doing things like looking at animals, bird life, to see how they deal with the interaction between the ocean and the atmosphere which is what, what is going on here with pelicans. And for, by looking at that, you get a fundamental understanding of how the ocean and the atmosphere interact. It's helpful to understanding this, this bigger picture of climate change. And it also does something else. Um, we hear a lot about drones, you know, they're aerodynamic. And this story about the pelicans is about aerodynamics and fluid dynamics. And the things that you learn to about pelicans gliding for long periods of time might be incorporated, for example, in smaller drones that are flying just above the ocean's surface to take all kinds of readings. And, you know, there are drones like that that do exist and are being developed right now. So it helps you understand climate change and how to monitor climate change. Is Stokes or the university working on any other bird mysteries? Anything else they're trying to find out about pelicans or, or other birds? I think they're going to probably do some additional work on pelicans. I don't know about other examples uh, specifically beyond birds, but they do a lot that has to do with animals in general, whether they're marine creatures, uh, fish, um, and they, they do see a lot of bird life in the various places they go. For example, you know, Scripps Oceanography operates a, a fleet of research vessels that go all over the world, from the nearshore waters of San Diego to Antarctic and to Antarctica. Um, so they're looking at how climate change affects life. They're looking at how it affects um, the abundance of fish in the sea, which is important not only to just you and me, but to other uh, creatures that feed upon that fish. Um, so they're involved on every level of life that exists on Earth. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting part of the story when Stokes said, you know, it seems like the silly thing just studying pelicans, but actually, it, you know, it does have uh, bigger implications for the climate. Is that always the case with the, the research they're doing? I mean, or, or are they sometimes just studying birds for the sake of studying birds? A lot of what occurs at universities like UC San Diego is just very fundamental basic research where they're just looking at fundamental questions. It's, it's not applied, so to speak. They want to know, for example, you know, um, how the sea mist that we see all the time, 
how far does it go up into the air? How long does it uh, last in the air? You know, just how, what are the mechanics of nature and the environment? But when you do work like that, usually either those scientists or some other scientists apply that in some way. Nearby on the, on the bluffs there, you know, you have UC San Diego, the rest of their medical complex, you have the Salk Institute, you have Scripps Research. A lot of places like that are looking, for example, at the fundamental questions about how a cell might behave in your body, which is kind of how we get the vaccines that we have today because there's a fundamental, fundamental understanding of cells and proteins and how they function and how you can manipulate them. These vaccines that we're getting now are so effective because we are able to manipulate them and change them. So you start with basic questions and then you apply those lessons to make it more useful. Now for opinion, Lauren J. Mapp is a staff writer at the UT. So Lauren, you wrote um, an opinion piece this week about graduating college without debt, but at a cost to your health. Um, you came here to San Diego from Massachusetts. Can you tell me a little bit more about that decision and why you wanted to come here? Yeah, so at the, at the time I had been going to school at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst for about two years as a theater major and just kind of falling out of love with theater and with the theater program in particular there. And so one of my friends asked me if I wanted to move to San Diego and I said yes. So we planned it out for 10 months and moved out here the following summer and I've been here ever since. That was in 2005. And really, even though I was telling my parents at the time, like, I will be going back to school at some point and I definitely will finish up college. I really didn't know what I wanted to go to college for anymore. And so I took the time off for a few years to really focus on surviving in San Diego. It was so much more expensive than living in Massachusetts and um, just working in restaurants and you know serving and bartending. It was just really like, took me a long time to get my footing. And so when I did go back to school, I, I knew that I didn't want to amass a whole lot of debt, uh, student debt. Uh, so that's why I made the choices I made. How did you ultimately decide to um, study journalism or go into journalism? Well, when I first went back to school, I was actually a culinary major. Uh, I had had a friend who we would cater, we would have parties together and I would always you know, cater the food for the, for the events that we did. And she always told me that I should go back, I should go to school as a culinary major, I should be a chef. And so when she died, I actually went to school in her honor um, to pursue that because it was something I was really passionate about. And by having already at that point been working in the restaurant industry for years, I knew I didn't want to do that long term. And so I double majored in journalism so that I could write about food and then eventually triple majored in political science um, all at San Diego Mesa College and then took a year off to, um, to save up money before transferring to San Diego State. Wow, that is such a full-time schedule, just school alone, not considering work, but will you talk about a little bit how you managed to graduate college um, without debt? You know, what were the jobs you were doing and, and just, yeah, how did you manage it? For the most part, when I was in school, I was either serving or bartending or both. I, most of the time I had more than one job. And when I did only have one job, I was working doubles a lot. So working like longer shifts or working both lunch and dinner and just really trying to save up as much as I could. 
I also didn't have a car for the most part when I first moved out here. I didn't have one until about four years ago. So I was able to save a lot of money by not having car payments or paying for gas or insurance and just kind of trying to live a really um, low key and expensive way. Um, going to community college for the for all of my um, my three associate, associate degrees as well as all of my gen ed classes to get ready for transferring also helped me save a lot of money because the classes were so much um, less expensive. And um, I also applied for every scholarship that I could whenever I saw a, a scholarship opportunity come up and I was able to earn thousands of dollars in scholarship money to pay for school. Um, so in addition to working 40, 40 hours a week minimum up to like 60 to 70 hours a week sometimes, um, always just you know trying to do whatever I could to save up. Yeah, I think that, you know, graduating without debt is like such a goal, but very unusual, you know, especially to see it done. What what made it so important uh, to you to graduate without debt? So when I was at UMass, I had a couple of student loans that I, at the time, I didn't have a huge grasp on um, the financial impact of what those loans would be. And so I knew I didn't want to take out more when I, when I went back to school out here. And then I also... I really wanted to be able to focus in the journalism career and journalism isn't the most financially lucrative career. And so I wanted to be able to, to either hold out and find a job that I really wanted or have the ability to take a job that maybe didn't pay as much as a job in like marketing or PR or some other field. Um, and so not having student debt allows me to do that. And your story starts with this really powerful scene about you driving yourself to the emergency room, you know, putting all this stress on your body for that many years um, really did culminate in some some health issues. So will you, will you tell me what happened that that night? Yeah. So by the time I graduated from San Diego State, I had been going to school on and off for about 16 years. And a lot of that time, you know, most of that time I was working in the restaurant industry so on my feet all, all the time, working late hours coming home at, you know, midnight and having to write a paper, you know, staying up till 6am. And so in those final weeks before I graduated, I started getting these really bad headaches. And the first one, like literally like knocked me off my feet, like it came all of a sudden, it felt like someone had just like speared me in the head with, you know, a really sharp object. And I was in the I was in a meeting actually with my editor at iNewsource, who, uh, where I was interning at the time. And she saw it happen and like, I like sat down and she, she looked at me and she's like, like, what happened? Like, you don't look like you're okay. Like I immediately started crying. Like I had, it was the worst pain I've ever felt in my entire life. And, but after, you know, sitting down and drinking water for a little while, it went away and I was like, okay, like maybe I'm just dehydrated. Um, and that was, you know, probably about two, maybe three weeks before graduating. Um, and it was happening started happening to a lesser degree every so often like every couple of days I would have another one of those kinds of headaches where it just came on all of a sudden and then dissipated and then the day that I had my my last final exam I had been up all night working on a project and had to wake up early in the morning to to go find um, more tickets for graduation and then went to my final and in my final, I had another one of these headaches and it was the worst one. And it was 
very um, hyper-focused in one like side of my brain, like every single time. And so I was kind of freaking out thinking maybe I had like a tumor or maybe it was like a stroke or something. Like I didn't really know what was going on, but it made it impossible for me to focus on that final. I didn't even really finish the, the exam when I turned it in. My, my professor who knew my, you know, my strong work ethic, she's like, don't you want to answer this final question? And I was like, I can't, I, I have to go. And I left campus, drove myself to the emergency room and spent, you know, one of my last days of college in the ER. Was the problem diagnosed? Um, not formally. Um, they couldn't find anything in the, the initial um, CAT scan and they wanted me to go back for an MRI, but uh, because I was really strapped for cash, I couldn't afford the MRI at the time. And since then, it, I haven't had, had the problem. So I the doctor basically thought that it was caused by dehydration and low sleep, but, and, you know, I've been making sure to be hydrated and get more sleep ever since graduating. So yeah, it's never been formally diagnosed. Would you do this again? <laughs> um, everybody always asks, like, you know, if you could go back and like tell yourself like how your life will turn out, like, would you do it again? And for me, you know, I was able to be successful and I was able to get a job at the number one place that I wanted to work after graduating. And yeah, obviously like my health problems, you know, don't persist to this day. So at least there's that, but I don't know. It's kind of hard to like, to look back on your life and see if you can make changes. Because if I had made any of those changes, maybe I wouldn't have the career that I have or I wouldn't have the friends that I have today. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to, to make that kind of a call today. What about giving advice to somebody, you know, a current college student that does want to graduate with, you know, little to no debt, but do it in a healthy way? What advice would you give to somebody today? So what I always tell people is that I think there's a lot of pressure from both academic institutions and families to go to college right out of high school, to finish up in four to five years and, you know, immediately go into a job. And I think that it's really important to know that you don't have to fit into that cookie cutter timeline of what your life should be like. Um, and so if graduating without debt, and especially if you're studying something that isn't necessarily um, high, pay, like a high paying job afterwards, um, I think it's really important to maybe, you know, focus on having less debt and, you know, taking your time to go through school. So maybe you take, you know, a year of classes and then you, you work during the summer and maybe take a semester off, you know, if, if that's the path that works for you, then that works for you. And you shouldn't let other people kind of diminish your, your goals or your path um, just because of what they think your path should be. You can find these stories online at SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. See you next week.